following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. How's it feel to come to church at 12 o'clock? Old time. Oh, y'all are beautiful people, lovely people. And if you don't even look good to yourself in the mirror, you're still beautiful to God. And I look through the eyes of the Lord when I see you, and I see nothing but great people in this house today. What a joy to come to you with the gospel today. Hey, uh, we had a huge crowd in the first service, and I turned to my wife and I said, man, I just don't understand this. And it hit me, Cowboys kick at 12. I may not be the brightest bow, but I, I do shine. <laughs> Would you stand to your feet? I saw Uncle Bill. Uncle Bill, did I see you? Give Uncle Bill a great hand. Uncle Bill Golf, I love him. Been battling some stuff in his life. Made it back to church on this COVID, after COVID Sunday. Now, I'm not going to be long with my preliminaries today. I just want to say that I honor my sweet wife and my daughters. They went on a little getaway trip and... Uh, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. And uh, I could not wait to see her come down those stairs. I didn't drive to the curb to pick her up at the airport. I parked the car and went inside. <laughs> Guys, let me tell you something. That's a hint on how to do husband better. <laughs> and I was sitting at her baggage claim when she got to the baggage claim. And so I took her, oh, I'm just, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I love my wife. I love you folks. I, last Sunday, we started this thing called Radical Faith. Uh, we preached domesticated or radical faith, and we talked about Jephthah that was cast out, and when hard times came, they needed a revolutionary man to come and help them, and so they called for Jephthah to come, and of course, he defeated the enemy, and he, he made the statement, you didn't, you didn't want me, but now you need me. And I don't want to be that kind of church with Jesus Christ. I don't want to be a kind of church that says, you know, Lord, we can do it without you while we're good, but when we need you, we'll call. I just believe that we need him every day of our life. Every day. And so, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make a second part of radical faith today. I'm going to talk a little bit about healing today. And I'm going to speak on the evening of healing. The evening of healing. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to help the pastor. Never say, Pastor. Say, Pastor, preach to us today. Let the word touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Preach to us today. Let the word touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Preach to us today. Let me leave here a better person than what I was when I came in. Stand for the reading. Matthew 8, when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word. And the next phrase said, and he healed all. Everybody say all. all. That were sick. So you can't say I'm one of those that he didn't heal. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. The evening of healing, you may be seated. Let's preach. We live in the evening of time. The day is far spent, the night is coming. 
The coming of the Lord is nearer than it's ever been. But Joel said, in those days, God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. The first thing I want to tell you is that he desires to save. The second thing I want to tell you, he desires to deliver. And the third thing is he desires to heal. You're going to hear this throughout the message today. The Lord's ministry was and still is a healing one. Spirit-filled churches trace their roots to the common teachings of healing in the atonement. When the spirit-filled experience was reborn in the 20th century, every major spirit-filled fellowship adopted this teaching. Here it is. The vicarious suffering of Jesus Christ paid not only for the salvation of our souls, but also for the healing of our bodies and our mind. Isaiah said, with his stripes, we are healed. In communion time, we drink the fruit of the vine, which represents his cleansing blood. We also eat of the bread, which represents his broken body, lifted at Calvary. His blood for our sins, his broken body for our healing. Isaiah said, his stripes heal us. Folks, there were 39 stripes placed on his back. Traditional punishment for a condemned prisoner. However, the Journal of American Medical Association several years ago published an article that traced the world's diseases to 39 root sources or 39 categories. If that's right, then there was one stripe for each class of disease known to man. Because when God does his work, he does it right. And he doesn't incomplete it, he makes it complete. Say it with me, with his stripes, we are healed. Now, modern medicine indirectly acknowledges this. The symbol of medicine today is a serpent on a staff. Some would say this goes back to Achilles, the Greek god of healing. Yet it goes back further than that. In the wilderness, when the Israelites were afflicted by venomous vipers, Moses lifted a brazen serpent on a pole and shouted, Look on this and live. Jesus said that just as Moses was lifted, this, has this brazen servant that he too would be lifted, John 3. The rule now is, not now is, look and live, but the rule now is believe and live. Jesus' ministry was and still is a healing one. This is our life, folks. What I'm preaching is our breath. This is our hope. It's our faith. It's our everything. I believe our God can do anything anything. There is nothing impossible with God. And I said it radically last week. I'm going to say it again today. God let a woman 90 years old get impregnated and have a baby at 90. But that wasn't a bad thing. She had a husband that was 100. I'm here to declare something to you folks. God can do anything. In Houston, Texas in 1905, a revival broke out from a healing. A socialite lady was hit by a streetcar downtown and the case was in the courts and the papers for two years. And one day, that lady, the socialite, was invited to Bryan Hall to hear a speaker from Kansas named Charles Parham. He prayed and she was healed. And the healing stirred up a tremendous amount of interest in Houston. And one man, William Seymour, would experience this revival and later go to Azusa Street in Los Angeles. And in Azusa Street in Los Angeles, a list of healing was mind-boggling. 
They had services, folks, 24 hours a day. Holy Spirit and healing. Holy Spirit and healing. Radical faith, radical faith. However, Jesus said in the last days the church would do greater works. There will be light in the evening time and there will be healings at evening. Clap your hands if you believe that. Now, I wanna focus on two of Jesus' healing stories. Both are found in the Gospel of John. But first, let me take you through a few things in the Word of God. Mark 5, remember the man of the Gadarenes? He called himself Legion. He had 2,000 spirits in him at least. He said, for we are many. He knew he was controlled by forces that were not of himself. Then Jesus came and spoke the words of healing and the demons fled, were put into pigs and they cast themselves in the sea because Jesus heals. I hope you quiver with the least bit of excitement just to recall some of the stories of Jesus healing. Remember the woman that hemorrhaged for 12 years? Jesus was on another mission, the mission of raising a little girl from the dead who was 12 years old. But a woman had suffered for 12 years and she overtook him on the way. She was not exactly dead like the little girl, but she often wished that she was. She was worse than dead in her mind. She had tried everything. She spent all of her living on doctors and medicines. In desperation, she forced her way through the crowd and she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And she touched him and he healed her. And then he called her daughter. She was a nobody and she became a kin to the kingdom of God in one moment. Hallelujah. She set off a flurry of people who touched the Lord to be healed. At least four of the places in the Bible, people did what she did. This thing's a copycat miraculous thing. There's a parade of witnesses like her who moved through the scripture. Jesus' ministry was and is a healing one. I want to talk to, take you to John 5, the pool of Bethesda. There was a man sick there for 38 years. He was at a pool called Bethesda. There were seven pools in Jerusalem at the time of Jesus. There was the Enrogel pool, there was the Gihon pool, the Struthian pool, the Amygdalan pool, and there was the Serpent's pool. Now here's the reason there were so many pools, because every pool represented a different kind of disease that you could come healing for. In other words, if you had arthritis, you couldn't go to some of those pools. You had to go to the proper pool. If you had a snake bite, you had to go to a proper pool. You couldn't go to just any pool. So just any water didn't work. And so they had set, set, set pools for separate things that you had trouble with. That was the, how it was laid out. And then there were two more. There was a pool of Bethesda, and there was a pool of Siloam. I want to talk about them today. One was by the temple, Bethesda, the other just outside the walls of rebuilt Jerusalem, Siloam. Bethesda had five porches. It was called the House of Mercy, a healing pool. In Bible numerology, five is the number of grace. So it was a house of grace and mercy. Yet history says that the water was 13 meters deep. Folks, that's deep water, close to 45 feet deep. Deep water, great grace, yet never a story of perhaps a person getting healed. A man said that somebody always beats me to the water, but never said that they got healed. John 5 said that there were all kinds of impotent folks there, the blind, the halt, and the withered, waiting on the moving of the water. 
And a man has been coming to that pool for 38 years thinking that somehow one day getting in the water of the pool will bring his healing. And Jesus shocks this man when he walks up and he says, do you want to be healed? <laughs> Have you ever noticed that the man doesn't even hear Jesus' question? Jesus is in the healing business and he never act like he even heard him. But in this instance, I think Jesus is teaching us a huge lesson. Here it is. Some healing folks is not up to him, it's up to us. Yeah. Amen. I can sit here all day and preach the gospel to you. You can sit all day and listen to it. But until you start believing radically that God can do anything in your life, he may not do what you need him to do. You need to understand some healing is up to you. Come on, somebody. I've known people who deliberately withheld forgiveness and harbored resentment, who kept an injury alive to kind of tranquilize against the demands of responsible living. And I've known people who get an odd satisfaction in feeling victimized by life. And I've known people who seem to have a need to suffer. Their suffering gave them ammunition they needed to fight the universe and do battles with others. I'm tired of that. I'm ready for people in this house to walk out of this house not half done, not three quarters done, but whole in the name of the Lord being healed by the power of Jesus Christ. Come on, clap your hands to that. That's good stuff. Hallelujah. I'm asking, in asking this question, Jesus makes the point that to receive his healing grace and power, you have to desire it. Here's a sad line. I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. Let me just think a moment. I wrote that in my notes. <laughs> then I thought, and I thought, well, I better put something underneath that. <laughs> it wasn't the putting in to the pool that mattered. It was the getting out of the pool if his paralysis wasn't healed. Because he knew he couldn't swim in 45 feet of water. So he was trusting that somebody might put him in but he didn't know if somebody would be there to pull him out if it didn't work. Water was too deep to swim in. There's a lots of pools close to the temple that are deep. They have five porches, but people beside them are impotent and blind and halt and withered. And Jesus got in trouble that Sabbath, healing the man and telling him to take up his bed and walk. The temple crowd was more interested in obeying the rules than to seeing a lame man healed. Jesus' ministry was and still is a healing one. It haunts me how different this story is from the men who took their friend to the top of a roof and dug a hole through the ceiling so they could lower their friend on a pallet into the presence of Jesus in order that he might be healed. It haunts me. I have no one to put me in the pool. Folks, I'm gonna preach to you right now. Either we believe this Jesus or we stay paralyzed in the moment wondering if God can do anything does anybody in this house have faith that I preach today the word of God, that God can and will do anything? So Jesus was in Jerusalem for the festival by the temple close to the pool on the Sabbath. He just wanted to heal someone because Jesus' ministry was and still is a healing ministry. And now let me preach about the second pool the pool of Siloam, the pool called Scent, the only fresh water spring in the city 
we encounter this in John 9. Get up on the edge of your seat. I'm going to talk to you now. Let me speak about this place. In 2 Kings chapter 20, King Hezekiah made a pool and a conduit to bring water into the city. It was created to keep Israel from thirsting when Shennacherib and the forces of Rabshakeh attacked the Israelites in that city. It was built by King Hezekiah for a people. Now watch this. It consisted of five levels, not five porches, but five levels. An upper level and a lower level, but it had five depths. One to sit and put your feet in. One with knee-deep water to wade in. One with water to your waist. And one with water to your head. And one with water over your head to swim in. I already love this pool. Because it has five different levels. It's not a drowning pool of 45 feet, but five levels of depth. So I know I'm preaching to people here today that maybe have not, never heard about the atonement of healing at Calvary. And some of you see the water and you think, boy, that sermon's pretty good. I think I'd like to put my foot in that. And you put your foot in there and you say, "Woo, not bad, not bad. Nobody's looking. I think I'm gonna get in it a little bit here, get up to my knees and see how that feels. Wow, it's feeling better. I think I might like to wade into my waist and wade into my chest. And you think it'd be all right if I just dove in God and got it all over me? I'm here to declare to you folks, we're not trying to make you a super swimmer, a Mark Spitz here on this Sunday. We're not trying to make you an Olympic swimmer to jump into the deep water. We're just telling you, if you've never experienced the presence of God and the healing touch of God, at least put your foot in it today and say, I like what I'm feeling. Step into it a little bit today and walk up to your knee. And if you feel it, get it up to your waist and enjoy the benefits of the healing virtue of Jesus Christ. Hmm. Now let me talk location. It was, it was in, on the south side of the city by the valley of Gehenna where the refuse of the city was burned. The Jews called it Gehenna. It means their hell, hell. It was a place of fire, their hell. A miracle pool, folks, right beside hell. You didn't get it. A miracle pool right beside hell. A cleansing place right next to the place where garbage is burned. In Hezekiah's day, the pool was inside the walls. However, when the Babylonian captivity had occurred, the Jerusalem walls had been destroyed. And when they were built back, the pool remained outside the city walls. Whatever reason, the city government did not have control on the outside as it did on the inside. So Jesus said, I'm tired of dealing <laughs> with all these social people about how I can do my miracles. So there is a pool outside the wall that's close to hell that I think I can send somebody that's blind and see if he can't get his sight. Hallelujah. And he meets this blind man and the disciples said, who did sin, master? Here is parents that he's born blind. And Jesus said, neither, but that the glory of God might be revealed. And he spits on the ground, that's gory, and he makes mud out of that spit and puts it on the blind man's eyes and says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Hallelujah. Not Bethsaida, but Siloam. Not Bethesda, but Siloam. He, he had been to Bethesda and he didn't want to go back there. It was too close, pardon me, to the spiritually religious. 
It was too close to the house, the temple. And all the rules came out of that place. And all he saw was the depth of that pool and he knew that people were afraid to jump in that pool. But he saw something special in Siloam. He saw instant sight. He saw instant healing. He saw a man that could look at four different questions coming at him after he got his healing and answer them all. Because when Jesus sends you to a pool, the grace of God is wonderful, amen, amen. Now let me preach a little bit, let me preach a little bit. The king's pool is not always where we think it should be. It does not always look like we think it should look. But if people find sight and see the Lord, they're being introduced to the right pool. Now listen to me. There's some people that need the siloam of your life in you right now. But I wanna, I wanna preach to you just a little bit. Because every Sunday I preach, I preach to people that are walking through hell. I preach to people that are walking through agony with their body. I preach to people that are walking through trials with their marriage. I preach to people that are walking through all kinds of hopelessness with their mind. I preach to people that are hooked on addictions and all kinds of situations. But here's what I wanna bring to you today. If you're standing here looking at your hell, Gehenna, and the fire's burning, and you think you're never gonna get out, why don't you just turn around? Because right behind you is a pool of healing. Is a pool of healing. Are you tired of hell? Find healing. Are you tired of pain? Try healing. Are you tired of sickness? Try deliverance. Are you tired of addictions? Try help. I'm telling you, God's got a pool right behind where you're standing. You don't have to leave here today feeling like you can't make it. You can make it with Jesus Christ because his ministry is a healing one. I think you ought to clap your hands, not for me, but for him. Quit looking at that. Get in the water. Quit looking at that. Get in the water. <laughs> Jesus comes off the Mount of Transfiguration. 51 years ago, I preached this sermon. It's become my lifeblood. I never thought it would be, but it's become my lifeblood. He came and there was a man who had a possessed son. And he said, Lord, if you can do anything, have compassion on us. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. He said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And for the last 51 years I've been preaching, Lord, help me with my unbelief and let me believe you can do anything for anybody in any place at any time. Amen. Amen. In Genesis 1, there's a declaration. And it's simply this. The evening and the morning were the same day. Six days, six times it's said. What the Lord did in the morning... He can do it in the evening because it's the same day. The reason I brought you through the stories of his healings in the Bible is that's the morning for a lot of us, but it's evening time now. But he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he never changes. What he did in the morning, he can do in the evening. In Genesis chapter 8, verse 11, Noah brought the dove into the ark. And it was at evening time. And the dove had an olive branch in its mouth. The olive branch was a type of earthly manifestation. He found that olive branch on an olive tree that had come out from under the flood. 
and a dove is a type of the spirit. So the spirit brought an earthly manifestation to Noah in the ark. And God's spirit's in this house right now bringing an earthly manifestation of his salvation and his healing in this house right now. In 1 Kings chapter 18, it was Elijah's evening sacrifice that brought the fire of God down on Carmel. In Ezra chapter nine and five, he declares that he arose from his heaviness when it was evening time. And in Matthew 14, Jesus does his first mass miracle at evening time, feeding the 5,000. Hallelujah. Now let me acknowledge, I know people get sick. I've buried some wonderful people during this COVID situation. Even saved people get sick. People die, even saved people. I will also acknowledge that a merry heart does good like a medicine. Now you listen to me. Happiness equals health. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you how to help yourself. Wake up in the morning happy as a day is long. Happy because you got to see another day. If you start being happy in your day, health will be greater in your life. God uses happiness for health. He uses laughter as an internal jogging that releases endorphins in your body and you can absolutely say, wow, I'm a happy man today. (laughs) There's nothing like the joy of the Lord that is your strength. Come on, somebody. There's nothing like it. In Matthew 14, Jesus does his first mass miracle at evening time, feeding 5,000. Amen. The joy of the Holy Spirit inside our lives keeps us not only from sin, but it also gives us strength. Oh, I believe in modern medicine. It does a lot of great things. It's helped people. It's cured people. Luke was a physician, and he wrote the third gospel in the book of Acts. He was also Paul's doctor. Medicine ministered to people saved and lost. I love the physicians in this church. We have several. And they all acknowledge that all the good things come from the one who alone is good. Medicine does good because God permitted it to do good. And every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of light in whom there's no variable, no shadow of turning. Many people are healed, pardon me for saying this to you, by placebos. Something they say they're giving you, but they're just giving you a little Kool-Aid because they have faith in that medicine. Let me stop right here and say it real strong. Somebody put that kind of faith in God. If you can believe in a placebo, if you can believe in a medicine making you do better, why don't you believe that Jesus can make you do better? Come on now. Put that kind of faith in God. Many problems are less physical and more spiritual or emotional. Here's an interesting stat that you need to know. Regular worshipers live 10% longer than those who never attend service. So you that come just half the time, you get a little extra time, but Life expectancy for weekly churchgoers is 82 to 83. Non-churchgoers, 75. We'll all die. It's appointed a man wants to die. We'll die of something better than dying of nothing, I guess. But also know and proclaim that God heals. Everybody say, God heals. heals. We've been conditioned to give up too early on God. God has become a last resort rather than a first option. It's time to turn that around. We're going to make some declarations now before I close. We're going to make some declarations. Everybody say this with me. It is God's will will to heal. heal. You believe that? God desires to save you. He desires to heal you. He never has turned anyone away. Never say it's not the will of God for me to be healed. 
because in evening time, he healed them all. Nobody gets, a, gets an out here today because the opposite is true. He loves you and he wants you to be well. The leper came to him in Mark 1 and said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I am willing. Be clean. The paraplegic man is lowered to Jesus in the sight of the skeptical Pharisees. Jesus asked, which is easier to do, forgive his sins or heal this man? See, the ancient skeptics knew Jesus could heal, but they doubted he could forgive sins because only God can do that. But modern skeptics know Jesus can forgive sins, but they doubt he can heal. But to say his name is to admit that he can both save and heal in your life. I'm going to ask you to stay with me a couple of more minutes. Please don't take your exit just yet. I want, to, I want, you, to, I want you to hear this. The name's Carpenter, B Baker, Smith. These people are all named for their jobs. A carpenter was named Carpenter, a baker was probably named Baker and a Smith. Worked with animal shoes and, and all that kind of stuff was named a Smith. They were tied to their original occupation. They became known by the work they did. God is the same. He's called Jehovah Rapha. He heals people. And the name Jesus means Jehovah has become my salvation. Everything Jehovah was or is can be found in Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on now. Come on now. Amen. The second declaration. God heals when people confess and believe on him. Say it. God heals when people confess and believe on him. When a person is seeking salvation, they must confess and believe. When a person's asking for forgiveness, they must confess and believe. When a person wants healing, he must confess and believe. Sickness is the result of sin. Adam and Eve sinned, and so therefore sin and sickness entered. Our, our bodies are prone to be sick. They really are. We cannot say, however, that each sickness is caused by that person having sinned. No. Who sinned here as parents? Jesus said neither, but that the glory of God might be revealed. But an alcoholic whose liver is destroyed must say, you know, I think I might have messed up in life. I drank way too much and I've sinned. A chain smoker whose lungs have been eaten away will say, you know what? I've sinned. I've messed up. Miriam, the sister of Moses, was sick as a result of her sin. When she confessed her failure and believed God, he cleansed her. David praised God for being a forgiver and for being a healer. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all of our iniquities, who heals all our diseases. His order was proper. He forgives, he heals. And when God's people repented in Jeremiah's day, the Lord said, I'll restore health to you. I'll heal you of your wounds. Say it with me. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Do not limit Jesus. Become radical in your faith of Jesus Christ. Amen. This is not Nazareth. This is Austin. Jesus can and wants to do anything for us. Have faith to be healed. Believe it. And the third proclamation. Healings will increase in the last days. Now what you may not understand and what I'm trying to tell you right now is that churches that believe in the divine atonement of Jesus Christ will never go away because we're not just trying to preach people how to live life. We're trying to get people to believe in the one that only can give life like he can. 
And I want you to know something. These kind of churches, spirit-filled churches, are what God is in, in order for because we still let him have priority in this house. He's the king of kings in this house. He's the Lord of lords. I think I've told you before, when we was in the old building, I resigned every Sunday. And I said, Lord, I'm going into your church to preach. You got anything you want me to tell them? He said, yeah, yeah. I think I've already told you. Just tell them what I told you. <laughs> and you know what? I'm still doing it today. I'll never claim this is mine. This is his church. This is his church. This is his church. It really is. It's his church. I didn't build it. He did, except the Lord build the house, they that labor to build, build in vain. And so I want to declare something to you today. We have to believe. Jesus came off the mountaintop. He had been praying. As he came down from the mountain, he healed one person after another. And as the evening came, people brought those possessed and sick to him, and he delivered and healed them. He healed as the night came on. He healed as the sun was setting. In those waning moments of time, God desires to do the same in churches that still believe that he saves and he heals. One healing can shake this town. One miracle can fill this place. Moses was a little aggravated in Exodus 32 and 32, but he said, but now, if you'll forgive their sins, then there's a blank and a semicolon. It's in the Bible. But if not, wipe me out from your book that you have written. You know what? I know what goes in that blank. He could have said, but now if you will forgive their sins, Jesus, but he didn't know his name yet. He just left a blank and let us fill it in. Now I'm gonna tell you something. I believe that Jesus can forgive our sins. I believe that Jesus can heal us. So I put his name in that blank. Hallelujah. Jesus healed in the evening in Matthew 8, possessed people, spiritual problems, and those that were sick and he'll still do it today. In fact, let me close with this. As you stand, we're gonna have prayer for all of us here today. Go ahead and stand right now. Go ahead and stand. Exodus 34, six and seven said, the Lord God, listen to this, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, visiting the iniquity of the Father upon the children and upon the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Now listen to me. It didn't say he came to judge the iniquity. He said this in the iniquity. Let me tell you something. The God of the Old Testament had grace in him, but it was hard for people to understand because they lived by a law and not by his grace. But he said, I will come and visit the iniquity of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. You know what that means? I'm gonna make a house call. I'm gonna come check on you. I'm gonna come and see if you're all right because many of you are going through what we call generational curses, generational situations, things that were handed down to you. You don't even know where it came from. You just do things. You just do things. You know, my Lord, you walk just like your dad. You speak just like your dad. You look just like your dad. Those things can happen good and they can happen bad. It can be a bad thing in your life, but I'm here to declare to you there's a God that I preach about that said, I'm gonna come and visit you to the third and fourth generation and make sure that you find your way so I can save you and I can heal you and turn you to the right to the right home and go home to the right place and let you quit looking at hell and start looking at deliverance. Stop looking at hell and looking at the deliverance that I have for you. God does that. He does that. He does that. He does that. Suicide is in my family. 
Suicides in my family. More than one person in my family has said, I've got to exit this life. Suicides in my family. But I'm here telling you that God came and visited me. The iniquities of the fathers. And he changed my heart. And I'll never go that way because I've been healed. I've been healed from that situation. Some of you came from alcoholic families. Some of you came from drug families. Some of you came from abuse, abuse. And you're sitting here, standing here today and saying, God, will I ever get out of it? Yes, you can. Turn around. There's a pool right here behind you. Get in the water and be healed. I'm sorry I'm so passionate, but I believe this. I truly believe this. I truly believe it. It is in my bones, it's in my veins, it's in my heart. You don't have to go through life with the same thing that was handed down to you. You can go through life saying, I have been changed by the healing power of Jesus Christ. Come on, clap your hands real big. Clap your hands real big. Woo! The Bible said he was wounded for our transgressions. A transgression is something outwardly done. He was bruised for our iniquity. The iniquity is the inside portion, the thinking process of the transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. So God said... I'm going to take care of your outside. And while I'm doing that, I'm going to take care of the thing that's caused you to do that also. Your iniquity. Because it was bred in you and you didn't even know it. I want us all to lift our hands. You online, lift your hands. If you want to get up close to the television, please do so right now. This is for everybody. I want you to lift your hands all over this house. Hallelujah. 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 I feel healing in the house right now. Lift your hands. Say, Jesus, I'm here. And I'm tired of carrying this baggage of hurt and fear and emotional unstableness. I'm tired of battling these bodily pains, this mind pain, this past, this trouble, this hurt, this fear. And right now, the pastor said that your ministry was and is a healing one. And I want to be healed today. I want to be healed today. So I open up my heart and I receive you. And I believe and I confess with my mouth that you are my God and you are my healer. And I receive that today in Jesus' name. Come on now. In Jesus' name, receive it today. In Jesus' name, receive it today. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, receive it today. Receive it today. Hallelujah. There's a healer in the house. There's a healer in the house. 
as a healer in the house. And I love him, I love him, I love him. Everybody say, Pastor, I will walk out of here a different person than what I was when I came in. In Jesus' name, I will be healed. I am healed. I go in healing in the name of the Lord. And all you that are homesick and all you that's in hospital sick that's watching, be healed today. In the name of Jesus, not by my word, but by the word of the Lord, be healed today. I love you. See you Wednesday. The goodness of God, I love you. Have a great week. God bless. Take care of yourself.